Oh, it's been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> it's been an extremely busy time for me. And yeah, I apologise for not being able to make any of these during the end of the Liga Meki season. Um, but I've found some time now and I will have time over the summer. So like I've said in the past, expect lots more coverage from me over the summer. So... Yeah, I decided to do this as a kind of special edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra in which I will be just answering your questions and I've got tons of great questions to get through uh, so I'll get onto that in a, in a second but I first of all just uh, want to say thanks to everyone for all the, I mean everything, you know from like Twitter interaction and helping me to share my stuff out, um, to listening to these, watching some of the videos I've done, reading all the articles. Uh, it's become, I guess, a pretty exciting hobby to have this. And I have grown more than I anticipated, I guess. And I'm at a point now where, you know, I have a decent following and I have some influence within the community and that is really cool and that is all thanks to you guys so yeah thank you uh it it certainly pushes me on to to keep going at this and uh keep working hard okay so yeah let's get into the questions enough of enough of that stuff let's get into the questions so uh we've got some really interesting questions today uh most of them Liga Mekis based, but we've got some on L3 as well. I'm going to start with the Liga Mekis questions and then I'll finish on L3. And yeah, uh, let's get straight into it. First one comes from at Soccer Nerds on Twitter who asks, uh, up to five Liga Mekis players who could or should be playing in Europe, what teams would be a good fit for them and why? Okay, so I reckon there's a lot of players that could be playing in Europe. Certainly. Uh, so I've picked some differing ones. First of all, it's obvious, but Zignac, he, he he could well be playing in Europe. And with his eye for goal, with his uh, goal-scoring ability, which was just ridiculous during the year. And I kept updating the, the statistic of how many uh, shots they have his sort of shots to goals record, and it was at, at one time seven sh- uh, seven goals from his last ten shots, which is 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 just absurd. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous, and a massive reason why Tigres turned around their form and went so far in the Liga until, of course, they lost to Chivas in the final. But he could be playing pretty much anywhere. Yeah, he has that. Uh, he has that eye for, eye for goal, and uh, when he when he's on form and the confidence is high, he is lethal, absolutely lethal. Second guy I've gone for is Chaga Volpi. Volpi is pretty young for a keeper, still incredibly talented, uh, a superb shot stopper. Uh, Pretty good at one-on-ones, doesn't make many errors. His handling seems good as well. 
I think he is an outstanding goalkeeper. And again, he's he's the sort of player that, that could really play anywhere. I, I, I couldn't pick out a specific club that he's suited to just because, I, I, you know, he's a great keeper. I mean, great, great keepers fit in anywhere, really. And I think he's all-round talented. Third guy uh, I've gone for is Chucky Lozano. Lozano, I think he's ready for the move to Europe. He's looks, I don't know if he's... He's maybe stagnating a bit. I think he he needs he needs a change of scenery, perhaps, and something different to to push him on. This season, he covered seven point five kilometers per per match on average, which uh, credit to the person uh, who's answered the question at Soccer Nerds for that stat. Uh, that's the lowest in Liga Mekis for a player who's played over ten games, which is. I think a strong suggestion that he's, you know, obviously he's he's able to do this within Pachuca's system, but uh, it does suggest that he's kind of not fully pushing himself. And I think if he went to a league that is a bit stronger, that has, on average, better quality defenders, that has more sophisticated tactics... Um, and different ideas, you know, something different. I think that could be really good for his, him, his development and his career. So the Celta Vigo link, I think, is perfect. I honestly think that's a great club to go to. They've consistently performed well in Spain and in Europe over the past few years. Of course, this year they almost knocked out Man United in the Europa League against the semi-finals. It was a, a fantastic achievement for Celta, they they seem to recruit very well. Uh, they've got a solid squad, you know, a good base of a squad there, and yeah, they they're a team that are normally pretty good to watch. So I think Celta would be the perfect move for him. Then I've gone for Guido Rodriguez. Rodriguez, best defensive player in Liga Mekis for me. I've spoken about him so much in the past about how much I am a fan. And he uh, perhaps he perhaps he doesn't have the, the the pace to really excel in a very physical league, a very fast paced league. So maybe Liga or the Premier League wouldn't suit him as much as I reckon Serie A or uh, La Liga. I think those. Those two leagues, he could slot into many teams at defensive mid and I think be a fantastic asset. He's such an intelligent player. And so those, uh, um, with the Bundesliga as well, are really the leagues right now that uh, are tactically the most advanced. And I think he would suit those, those leagues where you have to be very intelligent you have to um, you have to be able to understand the the tactic of of your coach and and um, um, be able to to produce it on the day. I, I think he would he would suit that really really well. Final player is the other Guido Guido Pizarro, who has been so good in Liga Mekis for so long. You can certainly see him in Spain or Italy again, like Rodriguez, but. 
you know, more of the dictator of the play, getting on the ball. I mean, this season he had the most touches, the most passes completed, and the most passes received. That that says it all. He is the complete focal point for Tigres, and I think he could do that for other sides across the world. Uh, he has the ability to to do that. Um, it was a, a major thing in in the final when in the first half. Uh, Matias Almeida stuck Orbelin Pineda on Pizarro like he was his shadow, you know, followed him around all game long. And Orbelin sacrificed himself really for that. He didn't have a great game on a kind of personal level, but he stopped Pizarro from getting on the ball and that disrupted Tigres, um, forced them to play long, gave Chivas possession. Chivas made the most of it and went 2-0 up at half-time. And that was a very significant part of the the final. So we've got three questions here. Yes, three questions from at Garrett HR94. Let's start with this one. With a healthy Renato and Dominguez, etc. And a new coach, of course, Piojo. Does Club America become a favourite next year? I mean, it's so hard to say favourite when you're talking about Liga Mekis. Is there ever a favourite? Uh, yeah, I, I I think that if they can keep Ibarra and um, Cecilio fit for the whole season, they are enormous players. And they were both, I in the clausura, they were outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. It, if they weren't injured, then for me, the, America would have made the playoffs, no doubt about that. You know, Ibarra's dribbling was... was really outstanding uh, down the right flank and, and Cecilio popped up with goals looked, looked he just looked so good didn't he he looked so good uh, and I can't wait to see more of him next season I do think they need to bring in some players certainly uh, um, probably a defensive mid I, th- I think is, is a massive one on the list I I don't think Chepe Guerrero is good enough the Guemes signing hasn't worked out, even though he was fantastic at Cholos. But yeah, it, it, due to injuries, it just hasn't really happened. Uh, Edson Alvarez can play there, but I, I like him as a centre back. I think more than than a defensive mid. So I think they could do with a defensive mid. Obviously, they've been linked with Guido Rodriguez, and that would be an incredible signing. I mean, if if they do sign. Rodriguez and Avila Zatado, who have both been strongly linked with them, then we're talking about the favourites for the league for me, with without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, imagine a you know a, th- a three of Cecilio Ibarra and Avila Zatado in behind Arriba Peralta, with Guido Rodriguez and um, probably William da Silva in the midfield. That is absolutely insane. That would be. Uh, an incredible midfield to contend with. Centre-back, perhaps a spot they need to look at. Uh, Aguiar uh, obviously had the ban. and He's hadn't been in as good form. Paolo Goltz is ageing and I think a bit past his best now. So they could do with, with two or three players, certainly, that, that are going to come into the first team and strengthen them. But I would say... With Piojo as well, who his record in Liga Mekis cannot be questioned. It is, it is a superb record um, to be super leader in both the 
Apertura and Clausura last season with Tijuana is amazing. So, yeah, I think there will be certainly one of the favourites. Next one from uh, Garrett is, how long do you see Gignac staying in the league for? Will he go down as one of Liga Mekis' best ever players? I hope so. I hope he stays in the league. There was this thing, obviously, recently about him getting annoyed about the media, getting on his back and threatening to quit the league if, if they continue to, but he seems to love it. He seems to have really identified with Tigres. He seems to be in, ad- adapting to the culture, both both on and off the field. You know, on the field, he's really adapted to this whole Ligia structure, where for obviously this season he was pretty pretty poor, to be honest, uh, throughout the regular season, averaging around a goal every seven shots. And then Ligia strikes, and he's averaging a goal every 1.6 shots. Just a ridiculous change. But he seems to be able to, to do that. He did that in the Apertura as well. So I think if he if he does stay for a couple more seasons, uh, Tigres will probably win another title, whether that be in the in um, Mexico or in, uh, the CONCACAF Champions League, which they've come so close to winning now. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think he'll, he will, if he stays for a couple more seasons, he's, he's going to go down as, as an all-time great. The final one from Garrett is really interesting, this. It's, if you owned a Liga Mekis team and had to start the club with four players, who would they be? And team name and location. And the colourful kit has added, uh, well, inevitably, kit as well. So I had a little think about this. And uh, whenever people ask me, I've, I've had discussions like this before, and I always think of places, sort of big areas where there's lots of people, where there isn't currently a team. And there's one that stands out in Mexico, and that is Mexicali. Mexicali uh, is on the border with with the US. It's not too far from Tijuana. And it has, a, the, and the metropolitan area has a population of, of almost a million, according to Wikipedia. So that's a lot of people. And their best... A football or soccer team play in the third division, so they don't have a proper team, which is a shame. It's a big population, and I don't know much about the place. But according to Wikipedia, I've, yeah, I've really done my research, here, guys. Uh, there's a highly educated and skilled population, and there's a strong connection with the U.S., which is obviously a great considering how how many fans. Liga Mekis has in the US and how much the league is growing in importance over in the States. So we have obviously Cholos have a great connection with the US. Santos are, are developing a pretty good connection as well. But most teams, of course, don't have English accounts. And uh, there's, there's FC Juarez as well, who almost got promoted this season, who are, who are doing some good stuff. But I think there's certainly more room for uh, growth within the uh, US Liga Mekis fans. And a team in Mexicali would really help that. I think they could be very successful. So that is where I would build my team if, if I uh, had, the, had the cash to do so. The team name... And yeah, you, you, you guys are going to be so impressed with the amount of research I've done. 
obviously in league even in Mexican football we have so many teams named after animals but we don't have teams named after plants but in Mexicali there is a plant that's very significant which is called the uh, cachanilla I believe I'm saying that right the cachanilla plant which uh, is yeah a massive part of, of the culture apparently they call themselves uh, cachanillas so I'm thinking you could have the team being called cachanilla mexicali and yeah that you could have the plant on the badge or something uh, and um, going into into the kit the the cachanilla plant is is has these like purple kind of flowers so uh, and obviously it grows in desert area the area is um, quite you know, de desert deserty around deserty I, I, I did a geography degree and I'm saying deserty <laughs> um, there's a lot of desert around um, <laughs> Mexicali so I reckon you could have like a like a purple and gold color scheme with with the, the purple coming from the plant and, and the gold coming from the sand and call me crazy but I reckon that could be a, a really nice um, combination of colors maybe a bit of not in the same kit but maybe in like the away kit you could have green because uh, green for the the plant it is an evergreen shrub the um, cachania or Pluchea cerevisia, as uh, I should say, as I've done landscaping for the past few months, and I have to say everything in Latin names. Otherwise, my boss gets annoyed at me. Uh, who would I have in my team? So, I'm being realistic here, because obviously, if I could, I'd have like Messi and blah, blah, blah. But realistically, to make a, a team that would be the most beautiful to watch, in Mexico, I, I would I would build around a midfield four. So I'd play, I'd play a four three three system, and I'd build around the like two center slash attacking mids and the two wingers, and they would be um, Jefferson Montero and Mateus Gonzalez as the two wingers. Would just be thrilling to watch, and then the midfielders would be Ditevio Pando and yep, you guessed it, Ruben Bota. Uh, those the, like the creativity you'd have in that, the excitement, the skill—that would just be like the best team to watch. You have a de get a decent striker and a decent defensive bit in there, and that team would be insane. We're talking, we're talking champions scoring ridiculous amounts of goals, and just everyone would fall in love with them being the most beautiful team Mexico has ever seen. So there we go, Cachanilla Mexicali. Watch out for them. They're gonna be. They're gonna be a great team. All right, a couple more Liga Mekki stuff. One from at Chivo underscore Seven Torres asks, "What can Liga Mekki do to expand and display its crazy, beautiful, hectic, chaotic football in other markets like Europe?" Well, they they should have English output. I think that everyone can agree on that. That's that's a no-brainer. But it's very difficult. It's very difficult to see. Liga Mekis successfully expanding into Europe. Obviously, there is there is a, a stigma attached. There's a stigma within parts of the UK about anything that isn't the Premier League, and there's a stigma within Europe about anything that isn't European football. That's difficult to get past, 
And with the strength of the Champions League and the, the lack of other strong leagues around Liga Mekis uh, in, in terms of the continent and, and with the Libertadores being not possible right now, it's, it's difficult to see them getting over that stigma, I think. But most of all, the time zone is just too much of an issue. It is, and no one who is sane would watch the league. And uh, <laughs> sorry to to those of you, <laughs> I don't I don't mean to be mean to uh, those of you who who are in Europe uh, or in the UK, and like me watch Liga Mekis because uh, I'm sure you you agree with me. And there are a few, you know, it's it's becoming a, I think it's becoming a bit of a hipster thing um, to. To follow Liga Mekis, it's it is such an exciting league, and it is developing a following without, almost without Liga Mekis doing anything itself. Uh, obviously, that they don't have English output, but other f- formats are doing it for them, like uh, Univision or like um, Kick, who keep doing YouTube videos about it. Uh, or yeah, I guess myself. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of helping to to help the English community um, or English speaking community develop their their connection with the league. So I think they can have English language coverage and a, a Twitter account, a website, and that would be great, and that would help expand because you know people would start to retweet things more and um, goals you know amazing golazos and um, coverage of, of dramatic games would start to spread a bit more but right now uh, I can't see it getting huge in Europe the other thing would be if more players from Europe um, come over to the league because we have seen in France, a, a spike in interest as people follow Gignac. So if they were to bring in more reputable international players from European countries, I think that would that would help as well. On the similar topic, we've got final one on, on league football uh, today from at Senor Bautista, who asks, will the MLS secede Liga Mekis? And as far as potential, can it be the best league in the world? Also, will Mexico or US win a World Cup first? Well, it's a seed Liga Mekis. Right now, I don't think so. I think it probably will. You think it probably will do in the long term because of the economic factors. There is more money within the US, which is an issue. Um, But they are shooting themselves in the foot right now. I think they absolutely are, and the salary cap is the reason. One reason, uh, the promotion, the lack of promotion relegation is another reason. Those two factors limit the quality of teams. The they limit the, um, the 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 well, obviously by limiting the amount of money that you're limiting the uh, quality of team that you can build. And without relegation, there's no need for some teams to push themselves and to, yeah, go make sure that they're keeping up certain levels of quality. Because if they 
have no relegation, then it doesn't really matter if, if they have a bad season. As long as they're getting fans through the door, and they, then they can make a profit, and so they don't really care. So I think that that is really holding the MLS back right now. And I, I'm surprised there isn't more of an out, outcry about it. And you see so many people getting annoyed and obviously there is some great movement about this with the new players union but you see so many people getting annoyed and rightly so about the player rights within mexico like the pato de caballeros and the draft and the way that works is is unfair on players but no one seems to mention the mls i mean the mls first of all has a draft which players don't have control about where they go but most of all they have salary caps salary cap is effectively the league saying what we're going to do here is we're going to make sure that the players the people that go out and perform and entertain and train all week to to play in the matches and put in the effort you can only earn a certain amount of money so that the owner of the club, the businessman or woman, I'm pretty sure they're, they're all owned by men now, the businessman can make money. That's what they're saying. The MLS is saying we're going to limit how much the players can earn so that the person who owns the club and doesn't do anything in terms of actually getting out on the field and playing and entertaining the fans and winning games, they, they can make a profit. We're going to protect their profit. I think that is just grossly unfair. I think that's despicable. Uh, and it's something that there used to be in English football. There, there was a salary cap years ago in English football. And I know that obviously so many people get annoyed about football players nowadays earning too much money. But surely it's better for the money to go to the players who are actually out there performing and training and entertaining us than some guy in a suit who may, t may or may not, t not turn up to games. Who knows? Surely it's better for, for more of the money to go to the people who are earning it rather than the guy who just had enough to be able to invest in the club in the first place. And yeah, some owners do some great things and they help to push their team on. But some just sit there and watch the money come in. I don't think it's fair at all and more people need to mention it. And for that reason, I hope the MLS doesn't do well. At the moment, I hope it doesn't do well. I really, really do. Uh, and with the, like, with the stigma that there is in Europe, I think it's going to be a massive, massive task for it to become the best league in the world. Plus, like I said, European leagues have done so well because there are other leagues around there and they can play football in the Champions League and the Europa League against each other. And with MLS and Liga Mekis, it's not enough to have a big, uh, a big CONCACAF Champions League. It's not enough to compete with Europe. Who'll win a World Cup first? I think that the US have massive problems in developing players. They, it's getting more popular, football soccer that's for sure but the whole structure of of development of players is a big issue with the high school and college system because the basic belief for 
vast majority of coaches is that until professional level, you should focus on development, not results. And if you focus on just results, you will limit the development of your players. When you're playing in high school matches, when you're playing in college matches, you have to win. It's all about results. I think that's a massive issue for, for US development of, of young players. I also think that Mexico have great potential. The, the country loves the game and probably the biggest thing holding it back right now is economic factors and organisation. What we're seeing is a growing league which is getting more money. We're seeing uh, a country which is it's getting there development-wise. There are massive issues, of course, but it is developing. And we're seeing clubs getting much more organised, much better structures of youth development. So I think Mexico, you know... For, for me, all this doom and gloom about there being too many foreign players in the league, I, I think I, I think that people will be proven wrong. I, th I think we're going to see Mexico developing as, as a football nation, and perhaps this is this is a biased opinion coming out, but Mexico, I think, have a better chance of winning a World Cup than the US. Well, that leads us perfectly into El Tri. So, two questions on that before we finish today. The first from at Kevster2, who asks, what has changed from Osorio's last Copa America tactics to today? I don't think much. It's very difficult to say because international football is strange in its structure and I find it very difficult to make proper judgments and analysis when you're playing two games at a time. When we have a summer that you have friendlies leading up to a big tournament, it's completely different. And that is when I think you can properly judge a coach and judge a team. When they're playing just two one-off games, it's really difficult. So uh, I'd like to really answer this question after the summer. But from what I've seen, I don't think much has changed. I think that Asura is pretty stubborn. And there's an article I wrote about this that I will link out again because I think it's very, very important to... For, for people to have a read of this before the summer. And what I was saying about Asurio in this article is about his mindset and questioning whether or not he has the mindset to become a top coach. Now, Asurio has clearly very, very dedicated to learning, and that's fantastic. And he's traveled the world, which I think is also great to, to pick up ideas from different parts of the, of the globe and develop his coaching knowledge. The problem with this is he seems to have taken too many things too literally. For example, he's heard that if an, op if an opponent plays with two strikers, you have to play with three centre-backs to have an overload in this area of the field. He then also believes that the left-sided of the three centre-backs has to be left-footed, even if that means playing, as he has in the past, Osvaldo Elenis who, when he called up at the start of the season, uh, I think in the September call-ups, hadn't played a single league match. Not a single one. Yasser Corona, of course, remember, he was getting called up. No way was he good enough for, for Mexico. But he had to be called up because, apart from Hector Moreno, they didn't have another left-footed left centre-back. So uh, there's the rotations as well, which, which is something that he learned from talking to Alex Ferguson. Alex Ferguson was the king of rotations. He was superb at it. 
but you needed to rotate for club football. He did this to make sure that his players were fully rested and fit and ready to go in the final games of the season. That's why he won so many Premier League titles. That's why he won two Champions Leagues. But do you have to do this in international football? I, I don't think you do. It's, it's especially not when you've only got two games. So I think he's taken some of these things that he's learned too literally and they've cemented as really, really strong beliefs in his mind and he doesn't question them enough. And one of the big things I've, I've learned when developing as a coach myself is uh, something I've been told lots, uh, lots of times is you know, learn from others, uh, but don't purely copy others. Don't look at a training session and go, oh, that was great. I'm going to do that exact session. You have to watch others, learn from them, and then think, how can I adapt that? How can I take what they've done and just slightly manipulate it to make it personalized for me or for my players or for my situation? I don't think Osorio's done this. And that, that's the problem, I, I would say, with Osorio. And I'm not sure he has that mindset, that analytical questioning mindset to, to really become a top coach. He hasn't displayed it so far, but he may well change. Final question on Osorio and um, L3 from at WhatAboutChris3 who asks, do you see JCO still coaching Mexico after the Confederation slash Gold Cup? And what grade will you give Osorio so far with his, during his tenure with L3? I think he will still be coaching Mexico after this summer. I think that it would be stupid. It really would be stupid of of the powers that be to, to sack him with just a year to go until the World Cup. You know, whatever you think of him, he certainly has, he has adopted some cultures with the team. He has worked with them. Uh, they, they seem to be getting more used to him and, and his thoughts. Even though I'm, I'm not a massive fan, I think he does deserve to go to the World Cup, take them through to the World Cup. And he's got some pretty good excuses if they have a bad summer. Confederations Cup is tough. It's eight great, well, it's seven great teams plus New Zealand. And, you know, Mexico have Portugal in the group, Russia the hosts, New Zealand. If they come third in that group, it's, it'll be a disappointment, but people will shrug their shoulders and say, yeah, you can kind of understand why. If they go out in the semifinals, that's not a bad achievement, in my opinion. Gold Cup, he's taking a reserve team, so you can't judge him on, on what his reserves do. That would be ridiculously unfair. So I, I think that either way, he's got enough of an excuse if there is a really poor summer for Mexico. And he should be given the chance to take them to the World Cup. Uh, he's done pretty much enough already to, to see them qualify. So yeah, I think he deserves to go with them. What grade would I give him? The results have been great. Absolutely great. The performances have been poor. Uh, the Many of the decisions have been questionable as I've gone through. As I said, I'm not sure he has the mindset to be a top coach. But the results have been great. So I'd give him a... I feel harsh, but I, I, I'll give him a 
6. A 6 out of 10. Uh, but he has picked up some fantastic results. Have they been fortunate in getting quite a few of them? Yeah. Yeah. But they continue to to do well. And the performances haven't been great at all. But international football is very difficult. You get such a small amount of time to work with your players. It's harsh to expect to see great performances all the time. The real question is is always the big tournaments for me because that's when you do get time to work with the squad and that's when you should see a team reaching their peak. In the Copa America, of course, that didn't happen at all. So the Confederations Cup is, is another big challenge for him. And, yeah, um, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But so far, I'd give him a six. All right, guys, that is it for this special episode of the Colourful Get Podcast Extra. Thank you to all of you for sending in those questions. Really interesting questions. Tons of stuff that I wouldn't have even thought about talking about. And, um, yeah, it's it's been fun to do so. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. And, yeah, big what's coming up. We've got the draft this week. We've got World Cup qualifiers and then the Confederations Cup. Loads of stuff going on. I am moving to the US on Wednesday. And so you can expect even more coverage than you get right now. Uh, No more having to stay up ridiculously late to watch games. Yay! Uh, And, yeah, I'll be awake more in the evening. So more interaction with you guys. And, yeah. Hopefully, I'm going to be doing some articles, um, obviously the tweets, and I'm going to be doing some more of those videos, so keep an eye out for that stuff. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next time on another edition of the Colourful Kit Podcast Extra, or perhaps on the Colourful Kit Podcast itself.